trust that you do if you can open with me to the gospel of John chapter 9. So the gospel of John chapter 9. Welcome to week 25 of our series that has us walking through this amazing, powerful gospel that gives us one of the grandest pictures of Christ in all of uh, the Bible. And this morning we come to the miracle of sight. Not just physical sight, but also spiritual sight that we just sang about. And can you imagine living your, your whole life with absolutely no vision, living your whole life not being able to see. Your view of the world would be the images that someone patiently paints uh, for you in your mind. And then imagine what it would be like to suddenly see. Pastor Max Lucado tells the following story. For 51 years, Bob Edens was blind. He couldn't see a thing. His world was a black tunnel of sounds and smells. He felt his way through five decades of darkness. Then one day, he could see. A skilled surgeon successfully operated on his eyes to restore his sight. For the first time in his life, Bob Edens could see. He found the whole experience overwhelming. And here's what he said in the interview. I never dreamed yellow is so yellow. I was amazed by yellow. Red is my favorite color. I just can't believe red. Now I can see the shape of the moon. Watching a jet plane streaking across the sky, leaving a vapor trail, is one of my favorite sights. And of course, sunrise and sunsets. At night, I marvel at the stars in the sky and the flashing lights. You could never know how wonderful it is to see. You can never know how wonderful it is. And he's right. Th those of us who have lived a lifetime with vision can't know how wonderful it must be to be given sight. But Bob Edens isn't the only one who has spent a lifetime near something and not, not seeing it. Few are the people. So few are the people who don't suffer from some form of blindness. And what I mean by that is this. All of us, every single one of us in this room, every single person watching online, we all have blind spots. Amazing, isn't it, that all of us have things in our lives that are blatantly obvious to other people, yet for some reason, we just can't see it. We just can't see it in ourselves. Everybody else can probably see it, but we can't see it. And not only do we all have blind spots, according to the, the Word of God, we are all born spiritually blind. So we're all born blind spiritually. In the words of Pastor John Piper, he said this, all human beings are spiritually blind, which means that left to ourselves, we will see the gospel, see Christ, see scripture, but not see it or see him for what it truly is, namely the most beautiful, valuable reality in the world. We can see, but there's something wrong with our spiritual capacities to discern the beauty and value of what we see so that we always wind up preferring other things over God. Oh, that we would not just see Christ, but that we would see him as the most beautiful, valuable reality in the world, even this day. And a person can be all that worldly goodness tells them to be and still never see the author of life. You know, being moral, even religious, doesn't mean we will, we will see him. 
We may see what other people see in him. We may hear what other people say that he said. But until we see him for ourselves, until the blindness is removed from our eyes, we may think we see him and yet still live in darkness. Christianity in its simplest form is this, seeing Jesus. In its simplest form, Christianity is seeing Jesus for who he is and responding rightly to him. Have we seen him? Have we seen him for who he is? Think biblically about those who saw him. Thomas, in seeing the resurrected Savior, said, My Lord and my God. Mary Magdalene, in seeing Jesus risen from the dead, said, I have seen the Lord. John wrote, We have all seen his glory. We have seen his glory, and it is glory us. Two Emmaus-bound disciples asked when they saw Jesus did not our hearts burn within him when he talked did not our hearts burn within us and then a once blind man said I once was blind but now I see but now I see for a period ever so brief the doors of the throne room were opened and God came near holiness and earthliness intertwined Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Oh, that you would put your eyes on him today and look and look and look at him some more. Let me just tell you, looking at your problems won't make them go away. And looking at Jesus might not make your problems go away, but it'll make them a whole lot smaller. That didn't get an amen from anybody. Okay, for all of you very negative individuals that only look at your problems and never look at Jesus... Do the opposite. There you go. Do the opposite of that and look at Jesus more. And John 9 describes a man, blind since birth, who encountered Jesus, whose physical eyes were opened by Jesus, but then his his spiritual eyes were opened, and that he sees Jesus for who he is, and then he worships Jesus. He worships him for who he is. And just an interesting nugget before we dive in, there are more miracles of the giving of sight to the blind regarded, or, or recorded excuse me, in the Gospels than any other miracle category. So five separate accounts in the Gospels of those who were blind receiving sight. It's almost as if uh, the Gospels is saying there's something more here that's going on than just blind people seeing. It's almost as if blind people are seeing, but then they're seeing something even greater, which is Jesus, which may we see him today. So I'm going to let you this morning stay seated as we honor God's word, even though you're standing in your heart, because we've got a lot to read. What we're going to do is we're going to read the first 13 verses. I'm going to summarize the next few verses, and then we're going to pick up again at verse 24. So beginning at verse 1, it says this, as he, meaning Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, 
Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He, meaning the blind man, the once blind man, kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. So they bring him to the Pharisees. Why? Because all of this had happened on the Sabbath, which was a big no-no. Jesus had made mud on the Sabbath. Not a, not a good thing according to their Jewish laws. This man had taken a journey to the Pool of Siloam on the Sabbath. He had washed on the Sabbath. All no-nos here. So they bring him to the Pharisees. The Pharisees question him, all of these things. Um, the man said, maybe he's a prophet. They said, we're tired of your testimony. They bring his parents in. And of course, his parents were not the loving, amazing parents that you would think in this moment. His parents were so afraid of getting kicked out of the synagogue. They basically said this, listen, all we know is that's our son. If you have any other questions, you ask him, see ya. And they just left him. That's kind of how it went. Now picking up at verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man, meaning Jesus, is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, so this once blind man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began, meaning in all of the Old Testament, has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, and don't miss these words. Jesus is talking to a man who for all of his life until this day was blind. And Jesus said, you have seen him. What must that be like? To a man who's never seen anything. And Jesus saying, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Let's pray. Oh, today. Father, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see. Open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So again, just setting the stage here. Jesus is passing by, having just got run out of the temple because they wanted to kill him. Remember, John 8 ends with the people picking up stones, wanting to kill Jesus because he claimed to be the I Am. Now he's leaving the temple and he crosses path, paths with this blind man. And just think of the story of this blind man. Just think of this story from, from his view, which of course is a weird thing to, to say, looking at it from his eyes. But just imagine this once blind man speaking and saying, no one ever seemed to hear my voice. 
I made my way through life silently, feeling my way around. Every day I woke up early so I could take my post at the temple, a place where I knew people would see me. I knew they would hear the words I rehearsed day after day. I could feel it. And I knew that they heard me because I heard them. I heard them say, be quiet, beggar. Go somewhere else. Or I wonder what sin his parents committed to have a child like that. Or what kind of sinner is he to end up here? While everyone saw me and everyone heard me, no one saw me and no one heard me. I didn't choose this. I was born this way and try as I may, I could not change it. Up until today, all I knew is I was born like this until today when what is became what was. Something happened, something unexpected, something miraculous. What happened? Tell us again. They kept asking. I tell them. But instead of listening, they argue with every detail. Well, he put something on my eyes and he sent me to wash. And I keep talking and they keep shouting over me. How can this man be from God? Who does he think he is? We know that he is a sinner. He did this on the Sabbath. Although they hated my words concerning this man, they also could not deny that my eyes, once clouded, gray, and darkened, are now vibrant, clear, and alive. I was almost distracted from talking by all the things that I could see. I could see for the first time, I don't know who this man is. I don't know how he did it. I don't even know who he claims to be or how he ended up being where he was beside me. I don't know of all the things he's capable of doing Here's what I do know. I once was blind, but now, now I see. What a story. What a Savior. What a Savior. Many didn't see this once blind man. Many refused to acknowledge this once blind man. But Jesus didn't miss this once blind man, which is the reason he was once blind. But now he sees. Oh, today that we would see. That we would see him for who he is. So I want us to turn our attention quickly to three truths related to our spiritual eyes being opened. Truth number one, our eyes must be open to the works of God. Our eyes must be open to the works of God. One of the most interesting things about this whole passage is how it begins. As you see on the screen, verse 1 says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Verse 2, his disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Verse 3, Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So the disciples, like the pagan world around them, assumed that a person's circumstances were a window into that person's spiritual reality. Meaning, if your body was diseased, it meant that your spirit or your soul was also diseased. The disciples in this moment were dealing with a theological term called theodicy. Theodicy is the theological study of evil, of the problem of evil. So the disciples begin with a question, who sinned or who, who sinned caused this. 
The disciples did not look at this man as an object of mercy, only as an object for a spiritual discussion or theological discussion. And let me say this. Please hear this this morning. It is much easier for us to talk about the sins of other people than it is for us to minister to their needs. Let me say it again. It's a whole lot easier for us to talk about their sins than it is for us to meet their needs. We'd rather talk about their sins than get involved in their lives. Listen, yes, it's true that someone sinned, but that someone wasn't his parents and that someone wasn't him. The someone that sinned was a guy named Adam at the very beginning because in a broad sense, all sickness, all disability, all the limitations of the physical body are a result of sin because sin Entered the world through Adam. Adam disobeyed God in the garden. Sin came into, our, into his life and spread to all of us. Spread to this blind man's family, his parents, to him and to us. So Jesus here doesn't just say that suffering is a random event that has nothing to do with sin. No, Jesus came because of sin. But what Jesus is saying here is this. Before time began, God knew that this man would be, would be born blind. Before time began, God purposed to glorify himself and reveal himself in and through this man. This beggar can't see Christ, but praise God, Jesus saw him. This beggar had never seen anything, but Jesus saw him. What a beautiful picture this is. This, this blind man is a picture of the unrepentant who has no capacity, no desire to see Jesus, who is deeply engulfed in blindness and cannot see the Savior, but the Savior sees him. Listen, the cause of this man's suffering was unclear. We don't know the cause, but here's, here's the deal. We know the purpose. So the cause of his suffering was, was unclear, but the purpose of his suffering was very clear that he would receive spiritual sight. And please hear this and write this down. God's purpose in our suffering is more important than understanding the cause of our suffering. God's purpose in our suffering is more important than understanding the cause of our suffering. So when we go through suffering, why is this happening? Why is this happening? If you've ever walked through something and you've asked the question, why is this happening to me? Here's the answer. So that God might be glorified. So that God might be glorified. And you're thinking right now, well, I wish God would be glorified by not making me go through so much difficulty. Yeah, you know what? You know who probably thought that maybe for a second? Jesus. The, the picture is everything that we go through is for the glory of God. Therefore, and let me just get very mean for a second. Let, let, let the vein come out in my forehead. Most of us, brothers and sisters, we, we would miss all the glory of God because if we had it our way, we would ask God to remove it all from us in just a second. And what Jesus is saying here is this. This guy endured all of this for his whole life so that I may be glorified. But if it was up to us, we would say, man, I never go through a moment of this, and God, you will never get glory of my life, and that's okay because I'll never go through difficulty. Imagine that. If we had our way, no difficulty whatsoever, but guess what else we wouldn't have? God's glory. So what do we want? Do we want a life free from all difficulty, all things that we never come to know God, or do we want a, a life that gives glory to God even in the midst of difficulty? Oh, may God be glorified even in the moments we can't understand. 
we might never fully understand his purposes in this life, but we may never, must never doubt that God has a purpose. He has a purpose, his glory. And then think about verses 6 and 7. Don't miss the weirdness of this. One of the weirdest things Jesus did in all of his ministry. And I'm going to break it down to you from a north side oceanway version here. So what Jesus does in seeing this blind man is he hawks a loogie. He like, and he spits on the ground. And then he starts making mud. I mean, some of you are thinking, gross, Micah. I didn't do it. Jesus did. If you got a problem, you got a problem with Jesus, not me. So Jesus hocked a loogie, made mud, put it on this guy's eyes, and tells him to go wash in a pool. And the question becomes, why in the world would Jesus use this method? And I read some very interesting suggestions this week. One commentator said he used this, me this method to make use of the healing quality of spit. Well, that's just gross. Another one said he did this to make him more blind. Well, you can't be more blind and blind. I mean, come on. Another said to symbolize that man is made from dirt. And yet another, time, another said to give the eyes time to heal. Let me just say this. It is silly for us to try to explain away the supernatural. Be careful about thinking you have to explain, explain away the supernatural or think that you have to have an answer for everything that God does. No, he is God. We are not. He is supernatural in all of his ways. But the best answer I found to why Jesus spit on the ground and made mud was this. He did it all to pick a fight. To pick a fight. And that's not the Jesus we think about. And we think about, no, Jesus would never pick a fight. No, Jesus was so meek and kind and, you know, give peace a chance. You know, that's, that's Jesus. Well, what about the Jesus who's turning over tables in the temple or the Jesus is going after the Pharisees, calling them a bunch of blind, dead inside individuals. What about that, Jesus? The, the picture we have to understand, listen, in this moment, Jesus was creating conflict. He did all of this on the Sabbath. He made mud to tick them off on the Sabbath. He sent this guy on a journey to wash on the Sabbath to create conflict. So this was Jesus doing all of this. And then think about this. John interprets all this for us, saying that Jesus sent him to a place called Salom, which means sent. Now, Jesus sent this man. This man obeyed, which is kind of crazy to think about. Could, could you imagine if Jesus did all this, spit, made mud, put on his eyes, and yet the guy never left? And people walked by and said, what in the world is that all over your face? Well, a guy came. He hocked a loogie. He stuck stuff on my face. He told me to go wash, but I really don't have time for that because I need to make some money. So here I am. He would have missed it all had he not obeyed. Praise God for his obedience. But one scholar interpreted this, the name of the pool sent not in a connection to what Jesus was doing to him, but in connection to what Jesus did for us. That Jesus is the sent one from the Father who gives us sight. So this pool wasn't necessarily about this man's journey. It was about Jesus' journey to us. So that we might see. This man, born blind, had met the light of the world. And now he sees what a miracle. Our eyes must be open to the works of God. But secondly and quickly, our eyes must be open to the wickedness of man. So our eyes need to be open to the wickedness of man. What should have been an occasion for great and amazing celebration now becomes an occasion of, of an investigation, a tragic and evil interrogation. This once blind man's neighbors begin to question, 
him and refuse to believe that he's actually the one that was born blind. They get the Pharisees involved who question him, who then get his parents involved. And if you read the, the little picture um, that we left out of his parents' response, you will see a sad, sad picture of parents in this day. Instead of coming to his defense, his parents basically said, you ask him, don't ask us. And it th- tells us in verse 22 the reason his parents acted this way because they were fearful. They feared the Pharisees. They feared excommunication from the synagogue. And as a res- result, they turned their son over to the Pharisees because of fear. And what we know is that fear is a paralyzing and intimidating enemy. Fear is something that affects us all. Fear is a great thief. And think about what fear uh, stole from his parents. Instead of his parents celebrating a miracle of all miracles for their son, who they raised, who is now seeing, instead of that, fear led them to say, you ask him, let him celebrate on his own. We just want to stay right where we are. We're good. Oh, how fear stole that from them. But let me also say this. What is fear stealing from us? What is fear right now stealing from you? Is fear stealing peace? Is it stealing time? What what is fear stealing? Is Is it stealing away obedience to God that we should have? What is fear stealing from us in this moment? And so now the Pharisees, in trying to bring these accusations against Jesus, come to this once blind man. And look at verse 24. You see on the screen it says, They called the man who had been blind and said, Give glory to God which is a crazy thing to think about. You're thinking, well, good's about to happen from this. But then they say this, we know that this man is a sinner. So they call on him to bring glory to God by saying that Jesus is a sinner, which isn't glorious, it's blasphemous. So anyone who calls you to do something that's blasphemous, there will never be glory in that. There's blasphemy there. And it's been said that this chapter ends the same way it began, with blindness. At the beginning, it was just one man who knew he was blind. But at the end, it's a bunch of Pharisees who think they can see. And yet Jesus says very clearly, they're blind. Sin is amazingly deceptive. And yet the Bible is clear in our sinful and wicked state. We are blind. We are lost. We are dead. We do not know saving trust. We see no need for a Savior. We long for nothing beyond this world. And according to Ephesians 2, we have no hope in this world or in the world to come. And in contrast to that, think about the testimony of this once blind man. In verse 25, you see on the screen, he answered one thing I do know. So he's basically saying this, I don't know all the theological questions you're asking. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know the answer to to the problem of evil. I don't know. But one thing I do know. Yesterday I was blind. This morning I was blind. And now I see. That is what I know. I think of the words that we just sang from John Newton. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And that's not just a testimony of this once blind man. That's all of our testimony who know Christ. You were blind and now you see. The question is this, have you gone back to your blindness? Have you gone back to your blindness of seeing the things that only the world would have you see and not seeing what Christ would have you to see even now? And then look at verse 34, the very last verse there. It says this, and they cast him out. 
So they were looking for someone to cast out of the synagogue, so they picked this guy who can now see, and they cast him out. And let me say this, better to be cast out by the world than to be cast out from the presence of God. Better, better than to be received, better to be received by God than to be received by the world. If the world casts you out, know this, God will bring you in. He will bring you in. So our eyes must be open to the wickedness of man. And then number three, number three, our eyes must be open to the wonder of salvation. Our eyes must be open to the wonder of salvation. If you are in this room today and you are a child of God, if you are saved, if you have saving faith, it's not because you woke up one day and said, let me go looking for God. No, it's because God in Christ was looking for you. Because God took the initiative in saving you. The Bible says this, God loves you first. God loves you first. And it says this, that God sent his son while we were yet sinners. So God didn't say up in heaven, go, hey, once, once those crazy earthlings get their life together, I'll send my son. No, God sent Jesus while we were still in chaos. While we were still in our sin and Christ came. And John Chrysostom said this about this whole event. He says, the Jews cast him out of the temple, and yet the Lord of the temple found him. So the Jews cast him out, and yet Jesus went looking for him. And just listen to how this whole event ends for this once blind man. Verse 35, it says, Jesus heard. He heard that he had been cast out and having found him. So they had cast him out, and Jesus found him and Jesus said do you believe in the son of man in verse 36 he answered and who is he sir that I may believe him so he has some respect for Jesus but still sir verse 37 Jesus said you have seen him again don't miss that and it is he who is speaking to you the Pharisees had cast this man out but Jesus now has sought him out Jesus has sought him, and finding him, Jesus places before him the question of the ages. Do you believe in the Son of Man? It's the same question that Jesus put before the disciples in Matthew 16. Who do you say that I am? But Jesus here is asking this man, do you believe that God has sent a Savior to the world, and will you put your faith and trust in him? And what this man's response reveals to us is a divinely prepared heart ready to believe because in verse 38 records the only appropriate response of such a wonderful truth the man says lord i believe so no no more sir lord i believe and it says this and he worshiped him and he worshiped him this is how salvation works for us today brothers and sisters grace confronts a blind helpless hopeless begging sinner who understands our condition we can't see god we can't see christ but grace comes to us and responds to us and asks for a response of faith and then grace helps in that response it prompts that response and then we are found at the cleansing waters which is not salon it's christ we are found in Jesus. And the last thing we see or hear from this man is a declaration of the lordship of Jesus and then worship. And that's the point of the story, that Jesus does the work of God, that Jesus is the glory of God, and Jesus is to be worshipped as God. 
when we see this, this once blind man, his first description of Jesus in verse 11 is, he's the man. And not like our view of the man. No, he's just, just a man. He's just a man. And then in verse 17, he's got to be a prophet, right? I mean, good things are happening. He's got to be a prophet. And then he defended him at, at huge risk. And then verse 33 says, well, he's got to be from God. And then finally, he, finally, his spiritual eyes are open and he says, he's the Lord. He is the Lord of heaven and earth and he worships him. This is why Jesus came into the world. According to John chapter 4, hear this. Jesus is seeking worshipers and he will gladly accept ours. He'll gladly accept your worship and he'll gladly accept mine. Jesus' purpose was never to show us how to live a good life. His purpose then and his purpose now is to show us how God breaks into the life, into our lives, a life of sin and brokenness and blindness and how Jesus shines light on that life and nothing is the same. That's the point. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen him for who he is? Have your eyes been open to who you are and who he is? I want to end with just that verse, John 9, 25, one more time. And I want you to see it. And I want us in just a second to read it together. But I want to ask this. Is this your story? This isn't just about a once blind man's story and only him. This, brothers and sisters, has become the story of every child of God. That we acknowledge that there was a time where we couldn't see. We thought we could. We thought we knew everything quite well, but we couldn't see. And Jesus shined the light of grace and the gospel upon us. His spirit did a work in us. And now we're able to look back and say, then I was blind, but now I truly see. Are you looking to Jesus? Have you looked to him? Oh, that you would look at him again and again and again and again. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand this morning. I'm going to call the praise team forward as we enter this time. And let us pray together. Father, we, we need you, Holy Spirit, in this moment. Oh, God, may you work among us. And, Lord, if there's any in this room or listening online whose eyes in this moment are closed, that you would open their eyes to you, that they would see who they are in their sin, and they would see Jesus for who you are and what you have done for them. They would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that Jesus is raised from the dead and your word says they will be saved. May that happen today, but also, Lord, we pray that you would take blinders off of believers in this room who have allowed the enemy to blind them again by his lies. As we saw last week, when we believe his lies, he still has power over us. That we would see those blinders removed yet again so that we can continue to follow you, to behold you, Jesus, in all your glory. And that we would know as difficult as it is to hear or even to believe, yet the purpose of every suffering, every difficulty, every pain, God, is that you would be glorified. So receive the glory from our lives. Receive the glory in and through this time. In Jesus' name, amen.